There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Hello, and welcome to Maz Minds Movies and our thing walking on a street in the dark. This week, this this week, we're doing something with a muffin, a, a mogwai, a movie, movie. That's it. That's it. It's a movie about about stuff. Max. Uh, Max. <laughs> Martinis for everyone. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, I spent last night playing drink along with Nick and Nora while watching this week's movie, The Thin Man, and I can't feel my legs and the left side of my face isn't working. <laughs> but no worries, because this is our penultimate noir film for our film noir series, and this one's funny? Doesn't seem very noir, but there's murder aplenty, lies, adultery, people throwing frying pans. Plus, we've got William Powell and Myrna Loy, who are our hosts this week. Sorry, that's the alcohol poisoning talking. Um, we better get this done so I can get a complete change of blood. Uh, I'm your host, Max. You got nothing on me, Flatfoot Levine. And over there, sitting in a big pool of scotch, is your host, Mike Otis the Town Drunk Loose. Say something funny to distract from our crippling alcoholism, Mike. Congratulations, you're a mother. Oh, this is so sudden. Um, You just quoted Zootopia. How is that noir? Uh, I think you can make a case. You are um, a strange person, and I don't think you should be left near a microphone. Not a live one, anyway. Well, well, they do give me the candy that tastes funny every day, and they only let me write these uh, notes in crayon. So, But before color. we get to this, we have our poll question. Poll question. Last week we asked, who is your favorite foreign, non-American, for those of you who aren't American... Vince. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes, and all of you other foreigners living abroad. <laughs> and all the ships at sea flash. All the ships at sea, yep. <laughs> Seth Jacobs, occasional writer, wrote in and just said, Anthony Hopkins. Oh. Yeah, you, you cannot go wrong there. Yes, you can. Have you seen Beowulf? <laughs> we get to see yep. an animated Anthony Hopkins ass. Wee! Yes, it was animated. It wasn't him. I don't care. Does, doesn't take away from what else he can do. I George Saulnier says Paul Schofield. Oh. Okay. Don't know him. Dave. Dave says impossible question. Oh, well. Oh, okay. Well, show's over. We're done. We're going home. <laughs> uh, however, even though it's impossible, he tries to answer it. Oh. Way to go, Dave. I will go with Bern Gorman, ah, because he was awesome in The Offer, ah, um, okay, but it is a favorite performance, not a favorite actor. Oh. Well, that wasn't answering the question, was it, David? Uh, I, yes, I thought it was Christian, Christian Vault. I think he means Christoph Waltz in The Offer, and only found out I had the wrong actor when I double checked my answer. So, if Gorman isn't foreign enough, I'll go with Waltz. Okay, mm. Tom Hardy also comes to mind. Sure. Also, Ulrich Moore. Um, you know. Yeah, Ulrich, yeah. <laughs> nice save. <laughs> uh, yeah, my buddy Ulrich. And then a host 
because Dave hates me, a host of Japanese actors and actresses. You have if to you pronounce them today. Then hang on, I gotta up the font a little bit. Uh, Nakai Kiichi, Aragaki Yui, Matsutakato, Okada Junichi, and Abe Hiroshi all come to mind. Thank you. I have to go reset my jaw now. Um, AJ. A.J. Sheems or Shemes? Sheems. Okay, sorry, A.J. Christian Bale, Mm. as long as he's not throwing phones. No, wait, that was Russell Crowe, sorry. Oh, good Uh, for you! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Howell. Uh, I guess I should give an explanation. The man's range and commitment to his characters is amazing. It's true. Uh, Yeah, I can't really argue with that. I find all of his performances to be great, but a few performances of his are just out of this world. Newsies. The machine... The machine, <laughs> newsies, yeah. The machinist, uh, American Psycho. Oh God, I've ne- I, I've never been able to get myself to watch that, Me which either. means we'll probably have to watch it at some point. The Big Short. Oh, that's good. The Fighter, mm. and really too many more to name. Yeah, that is. Can't argue with any of that. Val, go cue your own footsteps, Coons. <laughs> I'm going to go with David Tennant. Okay. Oh. He's an amazing actor, incredibly versatile. His Hamlet is the best I've seen. Wow. I know he did it. I didn't know it was that good. And the uh, version of Much Ado About Nothing with him as Benedict and Catherine Tate is hilarious. Hmm. And then there's Doctor Who. Broad Church, Good Omens. And apparently, your nephew says James Hong. Oh, wow. So thank you, your nephew. (laughs) Don't know this guy. Is that Swedish? Uh, Your nephew? No. As a matter of fact, it's actually Mike's nephew. Yes. Good choice. Steve. Mm. Rebecca Dr. Professor Pelkey says, Taika Waititi. Waititi. Uh, This is also, she's being real mean about the names here. Taika Waititi, Chiwetel Ejiofor, one I know I'm going to get wrong, Kawanahere Deveri Jacobs, sorry, I'm sure that was wrong, Michael Grayeyes, and Marvel's, and the Marvel Tom H's. Is that Hiddleston? Oh, uh, Hiddleston and uh, who's Spider-Man? Oh, him. Tom yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hanks. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> Tom Hanks is Spider-Man. <laughs> yep, yep. Watch him stroll leisurely into action. Mint donut? Yeah. <laughs> a deeper. But those are all good. Michael Gray Eyes. I don't know that Me name. Me either. It's a cool name. I want to be Michael Gray Eyes. I can be Michael Green Eyes. Adam Mark says, Bob Hope. <laughs> Just kidding. He migrated from Wales at age three. I did not know that. A, I thought he was British. I didn't know he was Welsh, but. Ugh. Cary Grant, English born, would be my favorite. <laughs> a long, I'm sorry, it's written in here that I have to say that. No, it doesn't. A, it's it not does. At all. I told, it's written in, in crayon. A, a long Who's and crayon? <laughs> a long and entertaining career that saw him from vaudeville through Hollywood's golden age and beyond. Many an iconic role to his credit. She done him wrong, bringing up baby, Philadelphia story, suspicion, notorious, to catch a thief, and North by Northwest, mm. and more. Lots more. The fact he never won an Oscar makes a mockery of the institution. You know, that's fair. One the original George Clooney. Well, that's a terrible thing to call somebody. <laughs> I, vo- I vote for Cary Grant. My God, I thought you liked him. I- I'm sorry, that's mean. George Clooney's fine. Yeah. Tyler Stewart says, I don't really have a favorite, 
But Michael Caine is up there somewhere. It says I have to do the voice here, too. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it does. My working definition of having a favorite artist is that when something comes out by them, I immediately want to see it, read it, hear it. I can't really think of any actors that fit the bill. Hmm. Not like authors. I definitely have favorite authors. That's interesting. Well, it should be that way because he owns a bookstore. Yeah. Nick Hoffman as God, that's a hard one. Oh, my. Must, oh, my. Must not Good night, everybody. <laughs> that's what she said. Oh, so many come to my... Sorry, sorry. You are not sorry at all. No, I'm not. What do you expect? He gives me a setup like that. So many come to my... Alec Guinness. Oh, boy, yeah. Peter O'Toole. Brian Cox. Toshiro Mifune. Sir Lawrence. Mm. I assume he means of Olivier. Omar Sharif. Currently, my favorite is Hiroyoku Sanat. What is it with you people and names this time? <laughs> Hiroyuki Sanada, excuse me. I'd watch him read a menu. Overall, and this is male actors only, I'd probably have to lean on Peter O'Toole. Lawrence destroyed me. Uh, I wouldn't lean too hard on Peter O'Toole. He's yeah, likely yeah, to he fall over. He's kind of crumbly at this point. Yeah. And, of course, our one non, non-American non listener. Uh, technically, yeah. for, for the moment, Adam, I believe, is in Mexico, although he is oh. American. But... Mm-hmm. But the Northern Penguin Puncher, Vince, says, for non-American actors, <laughs> they make funny noise when you punch them. I, I, might, I might exclude actors known for making mostly American films to narrow it down. Okay. I really love Klaus Maria Brandauer. Oh, boy. Cheery. Especially in, in the World War II trilogy he made decades ago. Michelle Yao knows, or excuse me, Michelle Yeoh, Everyone knows, has my attention, and if raising one eyebrow and dyeing your hair like the Bride of Frankenstein makes you a great actress, you will certainly need to pick Caroline Monroe. Caroline A.K.A. Stella Starr from Star Crash. <laughs> How do you keep working Star Crash into things, Vince? I mean, come on, it's no robot monster. <laughs> no, no, it isn't, because she is not Roman. <laughs> Perhaps she can learn to be like the Roman. Yeah. No, what, what about you, Mike? Who's your favorite foreigner? What does the acting? I mean, my, here's the thing. When I ask the question, this is something I know not everybody does, but I use the word actor to mean male or female. And yeah. I really, I should have been clearer about that because I really did mean either way. So mm-hmm. one or two people actually had somebody that was not male. That being said, my all-time favorite actor right now is Gary Oldman. I adore Gary, uh, Gary Oldman. I will watch him in anything, cartoons, because he's done those. <laughs> I will watch him in really weird roles like Fifth Element. Hey, Brian. I will watch him in films that I probably otherwise might avoid, like The Professional, because they're a little too violent. I, uh, things that get get me a little squicked out, like Slow Horses, which is going to be his last gig. But I just love me some Gary Oldman. I never know what he's going to do, and he I utterly disappears into his roles. Yeah, he's a friggin' chameleon. That being said, Michelle Yeoh is way up there because she proved oh, yeah. she could really stretch herself from comedy, action comedy. I'm sorry, there's never not action. There's always action somehow. To drama... To uh, in and that's just in Hong Kong, and then she comes over here and she proves she can do the same thing over here, and I think she's mm-hmm. really amazing. So yeah. I will there. There's my king queen of posture. How about you, Max? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would really prefer to be more of a dauphin of posture. But uh, how about you? Uh, for the guys, I, I gotta go with Sir Lawrence Olivier. The guy was 
probably one of the greatest actors of the last 150 years. I loved and, him in and, Clash of the Titans. That's the only because that's the only one you've ever seen him in, isn't it? It's true. Yeah. No, well, wait. I just... saw what was that one where he's paired up? It's him and Michael Caine, and one of them's in oh. love with uh, Christopher Reeve. <clears throat> I think. The, oh, is that Mousetrap? No. Uh, but it is an Agatha Christie Death Trap. Death Trap. Uh, yeah. I guess Death Trap. Yeah. Mouse trap. <laughs> Can this thing really catch a mouse? What, Lawrence Olivier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so you've seen two movies. That's not really enough to judge him by, nope. especially if you haven't seen any of his Shakespeare ones. And the other the other male one would be Toshiro Mifune, mm. who is just he walks on screen, you cannot not look at him. Mm. Everyone else just sort of fades into the background. Perfectly round. You can't look away. <laughs> you can't look away. Try and look away. Try and look away. <laughs> Another deeper. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> and other than that, I, I got to go with Maggie Smith. I think she's wonderful. Mm. She's also someone who every so often I'll come across a movie and go, oh, my God, that was her? Oh, didn't whack, yeah. did it? <laughs> <laughs> it is deeper but, episode. That's what this is. Yep. Yep. But these were great answers. Mm. Thank you all so much. And we're not done with you yet. Oh, no. We're not done. Yeah, that's a way to get them to keep listening. <laughs> yes. Yes, you'll find all the doors and windows are locked. Um, Don't touch that dial! <laughs> What's a dial? What? Yeah, beats me. It's, uh... So, we, this week, we would like you to consider, possibly inspired by this week's movie, also possibly inspired by an upcoming series, because we want ideas, because otherwise we have to think, and that hurts our little heads. How about inspired by the email I sent you last night? But email. <laughs> this, this, this question, totally my idea, and not nothing to do with Mike at all, in any way, at all. Me, mine, original, copyright, trademark, pat pending. Oh, you might check your trousers. I smell fire. <laughs> Check your own trousers, you weirdo. <laughs> what is your favorite laugh-out-loud comedy? You know, what's the one just makes you bust a gut? And you can tell us, well, that would be telling. We'll tell you at the end of the episode in case you don't already know. But now, things. The facts. The thin man, yeah. The, the studio, MGM, did not really have a lot of faith in this movie, and they gave the director a budget of $231,000. I know it's 1934, but that's still a pretty tight budget, mm. especially when you have a couple of fairly serious stars like William Powell and Myrna Loy. The movie made $1.4 million. Oh. Yeah. Well, there Which might be a of, sequel yeah. then? It was also nominated for four, count them, four Oscars. <laughs> Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for Powell, not Best Actress for Myrna Loy, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Didn't win any of them, but it was nominated. And sequels, there are five sequels. Ah. None of them based on Dashiell Hammett's books. Huh. They're all just sort of made up. It was the same uh, director for uh, the first three or four yeah, this fellow, well, hell, I'm blanking on the name already, Van Dyke, W.S. Van Dyke. And then uh, they brought in somebody else for the last two, and it they all except the last one, which I believe was uh, The Thin Man Goes to Gilligan's Island, <laughs> made money. Okay, no, it was Song of the Thin Man. 
which the title should give you an idea why it didn't do so well. Oh, my. It, 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 it was the only one that it made some. It made its money back, but it didn't uh, do that well, so it, it, they didn't continue it. Wow, early franchise. Yeah. And we got some uh, interesting people showing up in this. By the way, uh, Maureen O'Sullivan, mm-hmm. who plays Dorothy Winant, mm. the, the, the innocent daughter, if she looks at all familiar to fans of old movies... Um, try to picture her swinging through the trees with Johnny Weissmuller. She was Jane <laughs> in the first five Tarzan movies. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we also have our returning favorite, Porter Hall, as the lawyer Macaulay. He was uh, the, the witness business guy from the train in Double Indemnity. Oh, right. Yep. William Powell always talked about how much he loved working with Myrna Loy because of her naturalness, her professionalness, and she was no in no way a diva. Uh, he said, when we did a scene together, we forgot about technique, camera angles, and microphones. We weren't acting. We were just two people in perfect harmony. Myrna, unlike some actresses who think only of themselves, has the happy faculty of being able to listen while the other fellow says his lines. She has the give and take of acting that brings out the best. Hmm, neat. Yeah. According to Myrna Loy, the actors were never allowed to interact between takes with the dog, Skippy, who played Asta. Huh, he's actually listed as Asta on the, and uncredited yeah. on the IMDb page. Yeah, no, his real name was Skippy. Ah. And uh, he, he would perform his, his feats on the promise of a squeaky mouse and a biscuit. Ah. Um... MGM was advised that some of the dialogue, remember this is 1934, the Hayes Code is still going, such as William Powell's, he didn't come anywhere near my tabloids, (laughs) and Myrna Loy's line, what's that man doing going through my drawers? (laughs) Before they they could be censorable. Uh, However, the picture was approved for exhibition in 1934 and given a PCA certificate in 35. After the film release, re, film's release, some territories did censor some of the lines of dialogue, and at least one theater owner from the South of course. wrote to the PCA to complain of excessive drinking in the picture, ah. which his patrons found offensive. Yeah, we'll come drinking? back to that. Have, yeah, we'll come back to that. I made Keep a in chart. Mind, this, this movie was released the year after Prohibition ended. Really? Well, yes. I guess yeah. we're celebrating. I guess we are. Happy days are here again. When Lieutenant Gill asks Nick if he'd ever heard of the Sullivan Act, about uh, when he finds a gun in his possession, he's referring to a 1911 gun control law in New York State. Nora responds, it's all right, we're married, <laughs> which is re- kind of making a joke toward the 1910 Man Act, which prohibits transporting women for, quote, immoral purpose across state lines. <laughs> As of 2022, both of those laws are still in effect. <laughs> well, um, yeah. yeah, we'll see how well the gun control law worked. That, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The scene of Nick shooting the ornaments off the Christmas tree was added <laughs> after William Powell playfully picked up an air gun and started shooting ornaments the art department was putting up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Will. <laughs> uh, MGM was concerned that William Powell was too old and straight-laced to play Nick Charles and that Myrna Loy had become typecast as an exotic femme fatale. Oh. Well, they were wrong, weren't they? Oh, they certainly were. Yeah. Louis B. Mayer himself was against the idea of having Myrna Loy cast in the film, but W.S. Van Dyke wanted to use the stars of the movie Manhattan Melodrama, which had come out that same year. 
uh, Powell and Loy. Mayer said Powell's okay for the part because he'd already played detectives. Loy eventually got the part and basically created an entirely new image for herself. Van Dyke insisted that Mayer and the other executives at MGM watch the first rushes of the picture to confirm that his casting choices were correct. And they were perfectly happy to admit they, they'd been completely wrong. Good. Yeah. For William Powell's first scene in the bar where he's mixing the, uh, he's showing them how to mix drinks, mm. Van Dyke told him just to take a cocktail shaker and go to the bar and just walk through the scene while the crew checks the lights and the sounds. Powell did it, throwing in some lines and business of his own. Suddenly he heard Van Dyke say, that's it, print it. The director had decided to shoot the scene without Powell knowing it, so he'd be as relaxed and natural as possible. Oh. So that, that whole sequence is completely improvised. Yeah, um, was it? Well, let's see if you get this in the trivia. I have a question. <laughs> okay. Uh, while serving guests at the Christmas party, both in this film and in the film My Man Godfrey, William Powell sings the same song, which is For Tomorrow May Bring Sorrow, So Tonight Let Us Be Gay. Nothing from you, thank you. Uh, uh, mm. yeah. uh, the thin man in the movie title refers to Clyde Wynant. It's not until the thin man goes home does the title appear to refer to the lead character of the series. Yeah, I wondered about that. Thin Man, by the way, was the name given to a third unused atomic bomb in 1945. Oh. Allegedly, the Maltese Falcon, Dashiell Hammett's The Maltese Falcon, is the origin of the names Fat Man and Little Boy. Oh. Yeah, that's the rumor. At the time of the release of the movie, William Powell was about 42, and Myrna Loy was 29. Hmm. These are fairly close to the ages of Nick and Nora in the book, where Nick says he's, he's 45 and Nora's shown to be 26. Ah! Yeah. Okay. The film was shot in about two weeks. Wow. Some sources say 16 days. Others say it was 18 days. It's all been contradicted. There's some disagreement about it, but... Obviously. Although she had a lot of compliments for William Powell's charm and wit, Maureen O'Sullivan later said she didn't enjoy making the picture because her part was so small and the production was so rushed. Mm. Nick calls Nora a lanky brunette. Just for the record, not that it matters in a black-and-white film, Myrna Loy's a redhead. Oh. Huh. Neat. This movie is posthumously listed as one of Akira Kurosawa's 100 favorite films. Oh. I don't know. It doesn't mean... I think that's awesome. Well, it's pretty obvious. I mean, he stole a lot. Like, uh, Julie oh, Kaga, sure. uh, you know, Rashomon has just steals uh. liberally from this film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the drinking, yep, yep, the dog, yep. Yeah, well, it's in uh, black and white. <laughs> it, true. The, you, know, you notice Nick and Nora sleep in twin beds. Yeah, that of was they do. the norm under the production code. Yeah, you know when that will be repealed? The Munsters. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, the, at uh, the Christmas party, a crying man is calling his mother in San Francisco. That would cost Nick about $2.62 for the first three minutes. In 2023, that would be 58.50, at about 60 cents for every additional minute, about 13.40. A 10-minute call would have cost 96 dollars and 42 cents, or today 2,152 dollars. <laughs> that was a 2,000 dollar phone call. I'm not Good calling Lord. anyone ever again. Oh, Mom! <laughs> One change from the original novel was it was written during Prohibition. And drinking was usually predominantly in a disreputable atmosphere. <gasps> so the story is a lot more gritty. 
In 34, prohibition had just been repealed, and information of the negative medical effects of alcohol were dismissed for some time as reactionary propaganda. Kind of the pendulum went the other way. Mm. And as such, the story was deliberately rewritten as an escapist comedy with the characters being heavy drinkers. (laughs) As I said. become even more enjoyable with the amount they drank. Even the hangovers are fun. As I said, I made a chart. (laughs) Yeah. I've, and there's other stuff. You you say you got something? I said a question. Yeah. Do we know whether William Powell was actually drinking during the movie? Because I have my suspicions. People have uh, have made that uh, that joke many years, but Powell was apparently a consummate professional and wouldn't drink on the set. He does a great job of slurring his words. I didn't say anything about how he drank off the set. <laughs> well, I didn't see so him he had off the set. a lot of set. experience. <laughs> oh, I see. You mean before the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's whatever. Okay. Well, I've got nothing else besides that, but I would love to hear a little oh story boy. from Max. Look, Clyde Winant is a cranky, absent-minded, but brilliant inventor of things involving metalwork, apparently. He's divorced from Mimi, or Yu-Yu, a money-hungry natural blonde. Um. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have two children, the sweet and innocent Dorothy and the studiedly creepy Gilbert goes out of his way to be creepy. Clyde has been having an affair for some time with his former secretary, Julia Wolfe. But suddenly, Wynant vanishes into thin man air, and Julia winds up dead, shot four times. The police suspect foul play. Oh. Mm. But then, sweeping elegantly, if a bit unsteadily, into the picture comes Nick Charles, a former detective, and his wife, Nora, a current rich heiress, and their adorable Jack Russell Terrier, Asta, a former nightclub comedian. Any number of people (laughs) want Nick to come out of retirement and solve the murder and also to find Wynette. There's a sleazy lawyer, a gigolo husband, various goons, reporters, big-chinned cops, and clues aplenty. And two more murders along the way. Is Wynant the killer? Where is he? Who's involved? Is it a conspiracy? Just how much gin can two people put away before <laughs> falling into matching comas? And who who's actually buried in Grant's tomb? Grant. Only a few of these questions are ever answered, but who cares? It's William Powell and Myrna Loy. And look, there's the Joker. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, Mr. Grant! <laughs> the film. Did you notice who that uh, Chris Jorgensen? Of course that I did. Cesar Romero. Of course is. I noticed and who his mustache. It was. And his mustache. He's never <laughs> yep. without the mustache. That's why they painted yep. it white for Batman. He refused to <laughs> shave it off. Uh, so, so we have this cast of lesser-known, untalented yeah. actors. Oh yeah, we total total unknowns. Uh, yeah, William Powell. It's the only thing fa- I know him from. Uh, I knew him for this in My Man Godfrey, which is also adorable. Mm. That's more of a screwball comedy. (laughs) Maureen O'Sullivan. Yeah, well, Myrna Loy, good heavens, she's awesome. She did used to play a lot of femme fatale vampy types. She's a lot more fun like this. She is. We talked about Maureen O'Sullivan was Jane. Yeah, (laughs) which that seems like a thankless part, but... Serious. Well, she got more dialogue. I mean, or at least she got to speak in full sentences. No, I meant being with Tarzan. Oh, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Unk Yakima. Unk Cheetah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure Unk having Tantor. to cuddle up, ne- up, up next to an Olympic swimmer's body while, while he's wearing just a loincloth must have been horrible. Yeah, aquatic champs. Uh, well, I mean, we haven't, we haven't, uh, how do we think William Powell did in this role? The, uh, 
here's the thing. I didn't read the book. Have you ever read the book? I have read the book. It's very different. I was going to say, does he fit somebody you'd think of as being in a Dashiell Hammett book? Because um... kind of, he does have the, the, Nick Charles is kind of elegant in the book, but he's also more of a tough guy. I mean, the character of Nick Charles, he was a hard-boiled private investigator, oh. and as, as is clear, he knew everybody in the city. Everybody knew him. Everyone, not everyone likes him as much in the book. I'm going to say, is they that, all respect him. Is that really a good thing for a private detective if everybody knows who you are? It's like walking into uh, a casino and people go, hey, it's James Bond. Hey, James, how are you doing? <laughs> Look, it's the most famous spy in the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is a delight. I, I, I honestly couldn't tell that he hadn't been drinking a lot of the times because there's this, this little, like, smoothness, this, this sort of slurring to his yeah. a lot of his vocabulary and i, I won't come way back he sway he sways a lot when he's standing yeah um, but he doesn't overdo it he doesn't exaggerate it and myrna loy is just delightful i mean that's the mm. word i had for her is she's but the two of them together oh dear oh. gods this is one scene just, where she sort of catches him with another woman and there's yes, not an instant where she's jealous she knows what's going on and I love the way they communicate. He's like got this woman cradled in his arms. He looks over at her and makes a face, and she makes one right back. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, they have such great chemistry together. They're just Ugh. so much fun. Um, yep. Morgan, you can see why they wanted more of this. Oh, sure. Well, especially after $1.2 million. Who wouldn't? Four. 1.4. 1. 1. 4. 4, sorry. <laughs> Hey, Ma 200000 bucks in the, that era, that was a lot of money. Yeah, well, Maureen Osell, as we know, it's uh, worth at least one phone call to San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maureen O'Sullivan, uh, she doesn't have a huge amount to do, but she does fine with what she has. Yeah, the only problem with her is, like, she's, they don't really show her enough. There's this part where Dorothy has decided, you know, I'm just giving up. I'm going to go and become a bad girl. <laughs> and we don't see it. What, what, she picks up what, a guy who, I'm sorry, looks like an accountant. Yeah. Well, and she also confesses to the murder and uh, nearly shoots her own foot off. <laughs> um, she doesn't, almost, yeah. doesn't have good guns. These gun are actors who don't know how to handle guns very well. No, no. Uh, Inspector Clay's dead, murdered, and <laughs> yeah, someone is responsible. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so she's fine. Uh, Lieutenant John Guild, he's fun. Nat Pendleton, whatever. Nat Pendleton, he's a, he's funny. He, although, again, this is an odd one in that the police are like, oh, hi, private detective. We want to work with you, and we trust you with evidence immediately. Hmm, reminds we don't me care of a certain you... character on a certain podcast. Hmm. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Feely! <laughs> I mean, that's if you don't have that, then generally the private eye genre yeah. just doesn't work, right? Yeah. You have to have the cop. Yeah. You have to have the cop. And the cop has to kind of be on the privatized side, even if he gets mad at him a lot. Yeah. And you got uh, Mina Gomble as uh, Mimi Jorgensen. Sure. Who, she, she's fine. She keeps reminding me of Margaret Dumont in the Marx Brothers movies. She reminded me. You know, this, ex, yeah. except as if, if she had drunk about 35 Red Bulls. <laughs> she felt a little bit, and I'm, this is not in any way a, a degradation to her performance, but she felt a little bit like... Um, Mary Astor from Maltese Falcon because oh, she had that sort yeah, of all that energy that like no I didn't yes I did and you know and that wound just a little bit too tight yeah but yeah. I I I will oh my god I will always love Mary Astor in that movie because she was just just <laughs> like I didn't totally didn't do that yes we did we have evidence well what if I did I was forced to <laughs> just like lie 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 yep, yep. Um, Porter Hall um, yeah he's a wise he's good guy as a he's a good as a sleazy lawyer I think he pulls that off sure. Henry Wadsworth, I actually thought he might be the bad guy. 
I he was my oh. first choice because it's like you can't be that devoted to her. It's like there has to be well, something else going on, and there yeah, wasn't. You, no, didn't seem to be. The, the one actor I actually kind of had trouble with was William Henry really? as Gilbert. I had no trouble with him at all. Why? He's because he's the only, he's kind of cartoony. He's the one only one in this, and even with Mimi, he's the only one I thought of was kind of over the top. Hmm. <laughs> where he's just trying so hard to make Gilbert creepy. Huh. The way he like I do like the way he always leans too close to people when he's talking to them. He actually reminds me very, very much of a character from another mystery. And this, to be fair, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if that follows through. But it's a TV version of a Miss Marple, and it's called A Murder is Announced. And there is a nephew who wears the same kind of glasses. He's very bookish and has odd ideas and is generally unliked and stuff. And he, it, like, it's almost, I actually had to look. It's like, it can't be the same actor. It's like literally, I think, almost 50 years apart. But oh, wow. it isn't. But it feels very much the same. I didn't really have any any trouble with him because, of course, Nick and Nora are so over the top anyway. It seemed fine. Mm. Um, and then we had this. We're, we're kind of while well, we have Cesar Romero who's there for like five yeah, minutes. He, he really doesn't do very much. No. I mean, he's fine. He's he actually plays he plays it fairly understated. Then he gets the vapors and, and leaves. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing, though. He's on screen for so little, but you immediately know what kind of person he is. I think he's there as a red herring. I think he's there to yeah, draw our attention and think it's supposed to be him. There are a lot of red herrings well, here. Well, that's fine. We're not supposed to guess it. Yeah. It's, otherwise, it's not fun. But we know, in the end, it's going to be Asta. <laughs> of course. Of course. Not, not a you Jack got, Russell, it, by the way. And you've got the... Oh, what was he? I think it's a fox terrier, but don't... Oh, okay. Yeah. Some species of annoying hyperactive dog. I don't know. <laughs> hey, that one was actually very well behaved, all things considered. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of bit part players. Um, one of the things that I noticed that was very missing, I don't know if you noticed mm -hmm. it, there is no soundtrack of any kind. No, there's no music at all. Which is really I do weird. Because Especially for a, for a film like this, for a noir film and for a film from the 30s. Yeah, because it's like, well, we've just gotten into sound. We should have lots of sound. We can make noise now. Nothing. In fact, occasionally, nope. you can hear the actors kind of clomping around on the obviously somewhat hollow <laughs> set, which is, yeah, eh, yeah. it's the times. What are you going to do? Yep. But yeah, the, the performances, I think there's definitely two stars in this film, and there are other players who do very well, but... We're really watching yeah. Nick and Nora the it's, entire time. Yeah, it's basically, it's Powell and Loy and the rest. Yeah. Although the opening of the film wasn't what I thought it was. Is like, uh, is this Frankenstein? What's the... <laughs> <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. Yeah, you do keep expecting. Uh, I The thing, the odd thing for me with uh, the guy who plays uh, Tenet, Edward someone or other. Yeah, Edward Ellis. I kept looking at him going, I've seen this guy in something. And nope. No, I haven't. No. Nope. The guy is only, uh, he did a handful of movies and then just vanished. He felt a little bit like the father in It's a Wonderful Life. A little. Yeah, a little bit, except I kept thinking, is this, I kept thinking this guy looks like someone or is someone. Well, it was like when I first saw Tanner, his clerk, mm -hmm. I thought, is that John Carradine? No, no it isn't, but he's got um, a similar face. Way too good looking for John Carradine. <laughs> well, Plus, he, he wasn't yeah. on the night train. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, actually, there is a character in here, and I don't know the actor's name, who is in It's a Wonderful Life. Cousin Eustace makes an appointment. Yes, appearance. that's right. He's the manager of the uh, fighter that who shows up at the party. Yeah. He doesn't have a name. He's just manager. He's Cousin Eustace. But that, I, I recognized him, too. Yep. I would also like to welcome back the Mid-Atlantic accent, as done by Edward <laughs> Ellis. That is a... Uh, uh, Catherine Hepburn, I think, is probably the most notable uh. example of the Mid-Atlantic accent. But if people don't know, that was an accent that was actually taught not only to like early radio performers and early actors so that they would not have a particularly regional sound to them. Um, mm. They would teach that in schools. My mother was taught that accent. So, uh. And trust me, nobody had that accent where we grew up. So, yeah. No, no. Uh, I don't know about you, but I sort of felt foreshadowing. As soon as we meet Clyde, it's like, oh, something bad's going to happen to him. And yeah, yeah. But, it's like, okay, he's got a lot of money. He's He's got a, a fraught personal life. Yeah. His lawyer's a little too keen on knowing where he's going to go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, this is not going to end well for you. you we're not going to see you much. No. Um, let, let's get to this because, as I said, I made a chart. So the first scene we see with um, William Powell is Nick Charles. Mm. He's making a martini. Yep. Which he's showing off, I guess, to the bartender. And then, of course, which he drinks, <laughs> which is drink number <laughs> yep. one that happens at the 12 minute mark. I, I, uh, <laughs> I made oh a chart. Dear. And then Nora oh. comes in and she basically says, Oh, I need to catch up. And then orders five martinis so she can get to six, which is what Nick yep. is at. Now, I didn't count the other five, but in total, <laughs> There were 17 <laughs> drinks, and I don't mean Ugh. sips of a same drink. I mean yeah. 17 separate drinks that 17 Nick, separate beverages that Nick Charles has in this film. And oh, they are at the 12 minute, 13, 15, 16, 28, 38, <laughs> 39, 42, 43, 44, Hike. 48, 55, hour 12, hour 17, hour 20, hour 26, and hour 28 mark. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, don't try to play drink along with Nick because you will die. Oh my gods. I mean, I'd heard that there was some drinking, but dear, it's. <laughs> it's like that in the book. Everything, Every time anything happens, it's let's have a drink. Unfortunately, Nick has this rather gross uh, uh, catchphrase with it. He's always like, here, have something to cut the phlegm. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he says that several times. Mm. It's horrible. You should try Diet Pepsi. It works much better. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Would you bring me five martinis? Uh, <laughs> so she wins your heart with that line right there. Yeah. And the fact that the waiter doesn't bat an eye. It's like, oh, of course, sure. I mean, can you imagine what the sales of liquor must have been in, when was it oh repealed? 31? It was repealed in 34. 34. It was repealed in, well, 33, sorry. It was repealed in late 33. Okay. I, I, and I'm willing to bet that somehow overnight the distribution of liquor just was <laughs> totally there and ready to go. Yeah. I'd have no idea yeah. how that would have happened. See the Untouchables. Uh, yeah, this is a, a lot of stuff came down from Canada very fast, like Vince and penguins. <laughs> yes, yep, they had, each peng, the penguins had little flasks or little barrels of uh, rum tied around their chins. Sure, uh, I yep. think it's really interesting to note uh, the time period that this film was made. I don't necessarily mean oh, I assume yeah. it was set in '34, but yeah, other films that came out around the same time that we've uh, one of which we've done on the show, which was uh, Dracula '1931, yeah, and then Frankenstein '33. There is a. Oh, yeah. We're still a little clunky. I think some of the editing in this film's a little clunky. There's a lot of wipes. Oh my god. Uh <laughs> Yeah. They they 
you get the feeling that the uh, editor just discovered those or something. Yeah, or they just had, you know, repealed the law where you couldn't use them, uh, just like liquor. But there is a level of sophistication that's come to me, that's come to the visual language of films that where they're not feeling like stage plays anymore. Because remember, we yeah. did that show entirely on Dracula, and the 31 Dracula was one of the things we did. And both of us commented how much it felt like they'd stuck a camera in front of yeah. the stage. We're, that was all, yeah. We're not getting that at all. We actually get some pretty no. neat angles, almost a little German expressionist with some of the shadows. We even get some sort of fairly imaginative graphics when the police are looking for Wynet and we see a literal dragnet thrown over the country. I loved that. It was so funny. As it's out of nowhere, there's nothing like that anywhere else in the movie. Well, the best part is you can see the giant hole up near New England, yep. and it's like, oh, here comes the net. Up, oh, yeah, there it goes. Um, and also, something that surprised me that was, I don't know why this, they did this, I don't understand the point but we're watching this movie take place and oh the father's gone missing i wonder where he went yeah turns out that was two months ago yeah the entire film takes place over like three months it's a long movie in a lot of ways i don't get that did that yeah. make sense to you did you only in that they were that was how long it took for them to think he was actually missing well, because to me, it felt like she shows up and she says, oh, daddy, daddy, come to our wedding. We're getting married yeah. on New Year's Eve or the day before New Year's Eve. And he's like, oh, sure, blah, 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 blah. Oh, my daughter, daughter, daughter. And then <laughs> she, he doesn't show up and they're worried about wonder where he went. But it seems to be two months later. It's like, uh, did you not see him at the wedding? Uh, he said he was going out of town. I, see, I assumed he went out of town in the fall and it was two months later in December. Well, except that we see her leave the the little um, his little room there, his uh, st yeah. uh, laboratory, laboratory, and it's snowing, so it can't be fall. Oh. Yeah. So I don't the time. I didn't understand why they did that. It's like this could easily have been over two weeks, and it would have made perfect sense. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't bother me. Also, let's be fair. If the level of drinking had continued like that for three months, yeah. Nick and Nora would have been face down in the river. So yeah, they would have been they would have been self embalmed basically. But uh. yeah, I for me, I just didn't. I saw no point in it being stretched over three months. It also makes the not only Nick Charles but the police seem um, less than um, yeah useful. Look at this guy. You've been look working on this for months, and you haven't found anything. Okay. Well, also, it's like apparently nothing else happened in 1934 because all during this, the only headlines <laughs> are for this murder. Oh my God, this old man murdered somebody. We must all. Could mm. you imagine what happened if we paid that much attention? That we no, we'd never get anything done. Uh, just some weird parts of the film. That and again, this is 34, so it's not like the entire language of film has been decided yet. No. I just thought it was really interesting that if you look at some of those early films, 31, 33, literally a year or two before this one, it seems to me that we've got a lot more visual sophistication. And of course, we have to have some of that sure. light and shadow thing if this is going to be considered noir. And that being said, mostly they didn't know what that was yet because it wasn't yeah. really until the 40s. Or was it? I, I forgot to ask you. I always ask you this. Max, did you see yeah. this when it came out? <laughs> did I see this when it came out yeah. in 1934? Yeah. 90 years ago. Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> I rode my woolly mammoth to the theater, which of course was a big bedrock drive-in, and I got a whole rack of Bronto ribs on the side of the car, and it tipped over. Oh, we had fun. Yabba dabba do. No, I did not see this when it came out, <laughs> you twerp. <laughs> You might have. Uh, 
Do you remember when the first time you saw it was? Oh, Lord. No, I'm pretty sure I saw it on TV. I think I saw it with commercials and everything. Ugh. Ooh, yeah. what a bad way to see this movie. It wasn't a great way to see it. And then, of course, I had to see it on videotape, and I saw it a number of times. Well, back then, you would have had to hold it up to the light because the TV hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when I say videotape, they were just these stone slabs we had to flip (laughs) one after the other. Max is a lot older than me. (laughs) Uh, That's the way it was, and we liked it. (laughs) We didn't have school. We had to walk 50 miles through the blinding snow to build one out of rocks (laughs) and shellfish. (laughs) I, I want to also talk about the dialogue in this. The di- the dialogue is so good, just the lines. I you know mostly you know Nick and Nora yeah. get the best dialogue, but I, come on, baby, let's cross the ice and get away from the wolves. <laughs> like uh, they say, what do you know about this, Nick? I don't know anything. I've been in California for the last four years. <laughs> and he's like, what? You want a drink? What do you think? <laughs> That's that sums up the whole movie, really. I like how he gets up in the middle of the night. Like she's trying, she's, he's trying to sleep. She wakes him up to ask her, ask him questions. And he immediately just gets out of bed, goes to the nightstand, which has booze on it, <laughs> pours a drink and gets back into bed. Yep. I mean, I really shouldn't, I suppose, laugh at this sort of thing, but uh, I don't know. You got to remember this movie. The, the other thing we have to consider with this movie is the his, the history, the historical context. Sure. It's 1934. What are we in the middle of? Nin- We're in the Great Depression. Well, not in this movie. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Most of the movies that came out during the Depression had nothing to do with the Depression. People wanted escapism. Right. They wanted fantasy. They wanted vampires and monsters and people in fabulous ball gowns oh and tuxedos. You know, drinking absurd amounts of liquor. They didn't drink they, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh, sure. You know, that's you're right. They just the, uh, got woods, down. Out of they, the dark, out of the they were doing straight. They were doing straight poppy. <laughs> yeah, yep. They were. They, no. Dorothy was chasing the dragon pretty hard on the way to the Emerald City. They fell asleep, Max. Oh, asleep. yeah. Wink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah, see you don't that. S- you don't see L- Dorothy rolling around in there going, ah, spiders, spiders. <laughs> um, <laughs> they cut that scene. I'm really glad for that because quite honestly, <laughs> they might have shown up. I mean, flying they, monkeys they is funny. Uh, I, yeah, and the thing is, is that the view on drinking, of course, has drastically changed in movies. And that, the thing that about it is, I don't, they're drinking and they enjoy it. Are they alcoholics? Probably. No. At that point, they just wanted to drink a lot. Well, yeah. Maybe they were alcohol abusers. There's a lot of there's a lot of shades in there. Well, but and it's a movie. It's a fantasy. They they even like the note said. Even the hangovers are funny. But they never really. They, although I don't know why. I guess it's their tolerance. So they never really get drunk. Drunk, right? They're nobody's stumbling. No. Nobody's like really hiccuping. The whole. You know, traditional things that you do when you're drunk. As far as we know, nobody's puking. It is just to have a good time. But, you know, it's one of those things where I don't, you know, when we get to the the wrap up or whatever we're calling it these, the the finish, that's right. We might have to wonder, does this film hold up because of the way we view drinking now as opposed to the way we we view drinking then? Um, Because, you know, there's been things where, Drinking was funny. Otis the town drunk, and maybe it's oh, not yeah. anymore. Foster Brooks, sure. Dean Martin. 
But, well, you know, that's, I just want to bring that up. I think it's a point worth yeah. noting, and we'll decide whether it's important later. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that decides that. <laughs> you can edit that out, can't yeah, you? Yes, I can, as a matter of fact. Yes. <laughs> um, we do have that question, though. Is this noir? Now, technically, yeah, that's tricky. it doesn't fit the definition because it was specifically 40s and 50s, and this is well before that. Yeah. Although we're talking Oops. Dashiell Hammett, and if he's not noir, I don't know yeah. who is. He's basically one of the guys who invented it. So what do you think? It, do you think this is noir? I think I think this is comic noir. Mm -hmm. I think this is noir with a sense of humor. We have the black and white. There's a lot of stuff done with light and shadow. Mm -hmm. There's betrayals. There's adultery. There's uh, a lot of what would be technically immoral behavior. Well, but here's the thing I want to bring up, because this was... There's big of me. Oh, it is very big of you, Max. And I thank you, no, for, thank you. for doing it. Thank it's you. It's big of all of us, <laughs> yes. I, one of the things I would like to bring up, because we did talk about this when uh, Ned Cheeseboy brought up the idea of James Bond being potentially neo-noir or not, and that is that mm -hmm. this movie pretty much deals with high society. We're not dealing with a yeah. lot of poor people. Does that potentially take it out of the idea of being noir? I don't think so, because Nick is not from that world. That's There's a whole <laughs> thing, and it's more in the book, but it's a whole thing. He was a guy from the streets. Oh, sure. He and <laughs> Easy street. I didn't say which street. Yeah. Well, the idea is he was a, he was a working man. He was a detective, and uh, he married into money. And a lot of the people he knows are from the streets. A lot of them are hoods, criminals, Yes, but they still hustlers. dress well. <laughs> They do. They all dress very nicely. And they come to his apartment, and they're totally well-behaved, which yeah, I believe. but they're also, you know, they're still, hey, how are you? Yeah, yeah Nick here sent me up the river. Yeah. I needed a rest. <laughs> <laughs> Even the guys he put away aren't mad at him. So you would say that regardless of the humor and regardless of the level of society, this would still fall under noir? I think it is, because even the motivations are all very venal. They're all very based on, you know, just base desires. I want real money, sex, whatever. Booze. <laughs> booze, a lot of booze. <laughs> and the other thing, Nick Charles is not in this. I'm not, oh, there has been a wrong that I must write. He gets annoyed because he gets dragged into it, and his wife wants him to do it because she thinks it's fun. Mm. This isn't like he's... Uh, a white knight. He's someone who basically falls into it. <laughs> Stumbles, he, really. <laughs> he, he doesn't want the job. He's telling people for like the first half of the movie, I'm not on this case. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to do it. And he he ends up doing it. So, so, yeah, I think this, it's not as heavy noir or as dark noir as a lot of the others we've seen, but I think it still fits. What do you, do you agree? It has got some pretty grisly elements in there. Oh, look, we yeah. found a body that's been buried in quicklime. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it's dis yeah no, you notice we don't see what's left. That's the fine. glop that that leaves behind after a couple of months. Because I bet that's gooey. Um, yeah. So there, and of course, we do have the the somewhat gangster element going on here. Um, I don't never did quite figure out what Nunheim does. Um, except yeah. disappoint his wife, who's going to clone him with a frying pan the first chance <laughs> well, she gets. Well, the, the, the implication is he's a low-level crook who uh, narcs for the police. Yeah, and then he does apparently sleep around. I don't know how that happens, but... Apparently I, the women in that, that part of the city have very low standards. I guess so. Uh, so we've got that going on. We have yeah. some very interesting, as I said, almost German expressionist shots, especially in um, the point where Nick is going back into the laboratory, warehouse, whatever it is, and there's you know flashlights and almost nothing else, and we almost start up the NBC mystery movie. Um, <laughs> 
but it's so funny. Like I, that's really not generally an element of noir. No, not usually. But I think there could be a few laughs here and there. We saw that in Long Goodbye and and the and the Big Sleep. But yeah, they're not usually funny. And of course, we don't usually have a happy ending. Now this ending yeah. is generally happy because they find the bad person and they get they don't kill anybody. Although. Um, Oh no, in a struggle with a gun, Nick gets a wound which somehow he doesn't feel. I have no idea how that happens. Of course you do. He's that drunk. <laughs> know, he can't feel anything. I mean, probably the wound self-sterilizes because of all the alcohol in his system. Yeah, they're very, they're very big on that about how he it, they make more of that in the book how it's like he's Superman and the bullet bounces off. Well, it hits a rib and bounces no. off. Yeah, that wouldn't hurt. But yo, oh, no, and he would just be, "Oh yeah, huh, give me here, give me a drink and give me a towel and I'm fine." The next day, he's just wandering around, "Hey, I'm good. How are you?" They never even mentioned it again. Nope, it's gone. Nope. I it's almost more like it's an exception with the rule. You know what I mean? It's got so many things that would generally say this isn't that thing, i.e. not noir, mm-hmm. but it still manages to me to be noir. It's yeah. just, in some ways, I had a lot better time with this film than I did with some <laughs> of the other noir films because after 90 years, and to be fair, this is the first time I've seen this. I've never seen this ah, before. You've never seen it? No, okay. there are a few times... I laugh out loud. Even films that I really enjoy, if I watch them alone, usually with headphones, I don't react the way mm-hmm. I do if I'm with other people. And with this film, I laughed uh, out loud. Yeah. So that's, I don't remember laughing during Double Indemnity or um, La Samurai. Uh, don't, yeah, none of that. So, <laughs> no, no, not a big giggle fest, either of them. <laughs> uh, now we're all going to tell a joke. It is very sad. It will make you cry, but it is a joke. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? No one. We die alone. Ah. <laughs> so is life, eh? Yep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. The one, I, I will say one thing. The conclusion kind of bothered me a little. The reveal? Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, it's a nice... I thought it was a nice take on the whole, I've gathered all the suspects here, <laughs> because it's not just I bring you in the drawing room. He's brought them into like an eight-course dinner. Yeah. Really fancy. And, and the thing is... Allegedly, at the beginning of the dinner, he doesn't know who done it. Mm. He's he's literally stands there and works it out, or sits there and works it out, and it turns out to be spoiler, the lawyer. Mm. Why? We we have no idea why Macaulay did it. I assume money. Yeah. But we have no idea. And we also, also the never. Is, does, yeah. Why has he become so violent? Because he doesn't just kill one person, he kills more than one person. He kills three people, yeah. Yeah. I I thought the reveal itself was a bit clumsy. Yeah. Um, not least of which because, oh, let's face it, the whole drawing room thing has been <laughs> done to death. Although it hadn't been done not to death in 1934. Um, usually you have to be British. That's usually the first step. But and everyone's in a tuxedo or an evening gown. In fact, Nora is like, "Oh, do you have a dress for this?" Oh, I have just the thing. Um, <laughs> yes, it's a Lulu. <laughs> yeah. I, so it just felt a little oddly staged. I actually did like the idea. It's like I have no idea. I'll figure this out as I go along because uh, the movie's almost over. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't. We have no idea why he did it. We trust that he did it. He has a gun. Um, he has access to money. So I, I, like you said, yep. we can figure it out, but it's yeah. not like they ever delve into it. Pretty much once he's named as the murderer, he never talks again. Nope. So nothing. But eh, 
You know, again, this yeah. is 1934. Some things are going to be a little clunky. And I think I agree. I think that was one of them. The question is, is whether that ruined the film or yeah. otherwise would lower our marks. But we haven't got to that part yet. Yeah. What did you think of the final sequence of the train? Oh, and they're putting Asta up on the... And yep. Well, I mean, the whole thing... <laughs> and William Powell shoves his ass into the camera. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what an odd shot. It is, but by God, that's kind of risque for 1934. It's like, up there, Asta, Mummy and Daddy are going to get busy. <laughs> roll credits, roll credits! <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, they've just left another couple who are basically about to have sex as well. Why well, didn't they even hint that they'd like to go to their cabins yes. now, please? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I thought yeah. they'd never leave. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's suggested. And as you pointed oh, yeah. out, we're, we're in Hayes. When did the Hayes Code start? Was it that early? Uh, actually, it was. I think it was even earlier. It uh, it came out right around the time the talkies did. I cannot remember. I know there was some stuff in the silent films that was um, uh, made some of Monty Python sketches yeah. <laughs> look pretty tame. Yeah. But oh, um, actually, oh, wow. Okay. The Hayes Code was released in 34. Ah, okay. That, no, I that, thought it was that older ex- than that, huh? I didn't think it was older than that, but I, I know that the, the silent films were the cause of it. Ah. Uh. So there has to be, this is where we're, that's, I think, may also explain some of the clumsiness. We're at the point where they have to suggest things and they yeah. have to, like, be very, and quite honestly, in a lot of cases, it's a lost art. And I actually mm. like it better when we're given some imagination yeah. to figure stuff out. They don't just throw it at us. There's would it have been a better about it? Yeah. yeah. Would there have been a better movie if the last scene had been them literally disrobing and him leaping into bed? No. Probably not. Although I don't know, Myrna Loy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to see William Powell's ass. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just yeah, don't yeah. disrobed or otherwise. But yeah. But. Um, I don't know, maybe we should get to that thing that we do. Yeah, do that thing that we do. The finish. So, Max. Yeah. When you saw this in 1934. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes, and I I had to fight off a saber-toothed tiger to get my popcorn. This is a 90-year-old film. Yeah. One of, not the oldest, but one of the oldest films we've done on the show. I think Dracula is still the oldest. I think you're right. I think you're right, yeah. Um, you've seen it at least a couple times. We know you saw it on TV with commercials, and I bet yeah, that yeah. just made it better. Oh, yeah. Have some Hidden Valley Ranch. And now back to our film. And then you saw it on videotape and stuff. So yep. you've seen it at least twice. At least. I've, I've seen it many times. Now, why would you watch this, quite honestly, pretty clumsy and hackneyed version of film noir with yeah. jokes? Why would you see this film a number of times? Because I friggin' love this movie. <laughs> this movie is so delightful. It's every I like almost everything about it. Mainly, of course, it's William Powell and Myrna Loy. The chemistry they have, the wittiness of the dialogue, the banter. It's just fun. And the fact that everyone is fairly nice in it. Even the bad guys are very polite. <laughs> Even the criminals are like apologizing for stuff. Or you know, you when uh, Morelli shoots Nick, he's like, well, maybe it was an accident. He like doesn't want to press charges. That's and, what you want in your villains. Niceness. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, it's just delightful. I have to admit I find the dog annoying. I just do. Well, I can't help it. I don't know what it is. It's not that I don't like dogs in movies. There's something about that dog. I just just want to punt him. But mm. What about you? You. This was your first time. You came into this cold. Yep. 
What do you see it as a modern viewer? I only knew about that there was drinking in it. I yeah. didn't realize how much until I started making my little chart. <laughs> and not only the number of drinks, but the frequency. Like, there's yeah. often more than one or two minutes between actual separate drinks. It's like, oh my god. Let's face it, this this is an old film. It doesn't hold up. The camera work, the acting's cute, but who could, no, who are you kidding? It's a delightful film. <laughs> um, it's it's a little clumsy in places, but we're still early sure. on in Hollywood's They're finding history. their feet, especially sure. with sound. <laughs> yeah, clomp, clomp, clomp. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are you yes. going to do? You, and you it's only true. have so much equipment. The attitudes about drinking are very different, but they were very different. It's 1934, well, and they were. everyone was like, we can drink, woohoo! Well, and he, I want to say the biggest difference is they're drinking for fun. It's not like the town drunk. It's not like, um, who is the famous drunk, the most famous drunk actor? Oh, my God, I can't think of his name. Foster Brooks. Uh, Foster Brooks. Yeah. It's not like the, his whole shtick is being drunk. No. It's not the Otis, the town drunk, isn't he funny, as opposed to, wow, that guy really needs help, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's hard to look at these characters in today's light and not think, that's a person with a problem. That's not funny. This is different, though. Yeah. It's celebratory. They're not... It doesn't... Well, <laughs> is it a need? Uh, when you get well, up in the middle of the night and have a drink and it's already on your nightstand? Eh. But we don't see them like he doesn't carry a flask with him. They're no. not... Con they drink a lot, but there's a long stretches where they don't drink at all. Um... Yeah, the longest is about 10 minutes. <laughs> hey, it's, it's like a 90-minute movie. It is a different attitude, though. It is... And, of course, you can't take the the repealing of Prohibition out of this. Yeah. Because, of course, people This is were. part of the fantasy, yeah. Yeah. So I think that this, in my view, doesn't cross the line of needing us to look at drinking in a different way because it's not using drunkenness as the source of the humor. It's... Mm -hmm. It's a it's a reflection of the time, and it adds to honestly to the delightfulness of the two characters, whose chemistry is just amazing. That's the other thing is this is fantasy drinking. Nobody throws up, nobody falls and hurts themselves. No, six martinis. Oh dear six, God, I would oh. be dead. Yeah, no one has to have their stomach pumped. There are no. It's again, it's another part of the fantasy. It's like yes, yeah. you can drink as much as you want. There's you get maybe a mild comic hangover. Right. And even he says he has one, but it's uh, she wears an ice pack on her head like a hat, yeah. but she doesn't in any way seem like upset and, about it. And she anything. makes it look good. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It actually looked like a hat. It didn't yeah. look like. So, oh, uh, I do need to apologize to our listeners. Uh, mm -hmm. If you hear any construction going on, oh, it's yeah. uh, we're having the offices redone here at Max Mike Movies. We've, uh, right. thanks to your listenership, we've been able to expand. So we're adding uh, a cabana and a yep. pool and a pool boy yep. and drinks. Yep. Wait, wait, and... wait, wait, wait. What a, we never said anything about a pool boy. We had we had agreed on a pony abattoir. <laughs> but let's talk about that poll question. <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> Oh, Even though this, this may <laughs> this may hark back to an older question, but it also may influence our next series. What is your favorite laugh-out-loud comedy? Tell us, won't you? And the way you can tell us is by beaming this in, the thought into the universe, where it will swirl around. Email. And, oh yeah, right. Or you can do his email if you're. If your karma is that bummed out, man, you can, in fact, email us at us at maxmikemovies.com. You can go to our website at maxmikemovies.com and leave, leave a comment. And, of course, we will be on the book face 
under Max Mike Movies. I will never say it. And you can Why? Why? You've never given a reason for that. It's my signature. Ugh. Your signature is dumb. Because Mark Zuckerberg owes me $25 million. Um, He doesn't. Yeah, but he might forget that and give me $25 million just because, you know, it falls out of his pocket. Yeah, that could happen. Leave me alone. (laughs) Then I'll have my solid gold house on the moon where I can fight space pirates. Uh, (laughs) And, of course, you can hear us on the podcast app that you're listening to now. Well, many others. Here's the thing. Yeah. Um, We're going to extend this for one more episode. And the reason we're going to do that is because I am jetting off to the West Coast to hold those people in Hollywood accountable for all their mistakes. I'm looking at you, Star Crash, The Adventures of Stella Star. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to go tell them what they should do right. So all movies from now on will be great and wonderful and everyone will love them. Yeah, Go get them, Mike. Yeah. And we'll fix that strike, too. I'm going to strike someone when I get out there. And it's not going to be anybody on the picket lines. if you Uh, Mike is going to be out there fixing Hollywood. Actually, I'm just going to visit my sister. (laughs) And fix Hollywood while he's visiting his sister. Yes, fix Hollywood. Snip, snip. But I'm going to ask Max to step up, step in, or step Uh. out after the end of this episode to uh, add one more film to our noir series, because otherwise I would have to broadcast from a bus, and I'm not going to do that. Oh, come on. That could be cool. But, uh, uh, oh boy, another one? Well, um, geez. Well, we should go for another, like, lighthearted fun romp, something cheery, something with yeah, a nice, likable so. likable character, like, I don't know, Robert Mitchum and... Robert Mitchum? Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter? That doesn't sound very cheery. <laughs> Sleep well. Bumpy, look out! This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.